Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Climate Ready. This is Alex Moroner and I'll be running this show solo while my co-host Ingrid Timbo wraps up her COP26 travel. While there are a number of major takeaways from the recently concluded UN Climate Summit, which will be the focus of our next episode, one thing is clear. One of the main mechanisms for achieving global climate adaptation goals will be through national commitments and programming. Now in today's episode, we want to highlight a new initiative launched earlier this year to provide in-depth training and cross-country exchanges to those who are involved in national adaptation planning, implementation, and reporting. Known as the Adaptation Academy, this UNFCCC-led training program recently wrapped up its first batch of courses. To share more about the program, we have broken the climate-ready record for the number of guests in an episode. First, we'll hear from one of the lead organizers, representing the UNFCCC Secretariat, who will lay out the premise and the purpose of the Adaptation Academy. Then for some insights and early feedback, we set up interviews with four participants from the recent courses, hailing from Jamaica, Panama, Cameroon, and the Philippines. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump right in. To give you a little more on the background and context of the Adaptation Academy, we'll start off by listening in to a recent COP26 session where Mr. Jigme, a manager in the UNFCCC Secretariat's Transparency Division, laid out some of the groundwork around the training program. Who's it for? Who's involved? What topics does it cover? And what needs does it address? Let's hear a bit of his talk from Glasgow. Let me give a brief overview of what we call climate action and support transparency training program. It addresses the needs of developing countries to develop their technical capacity and know-how to effectively implement the Paris Agreement and be able to report on actions taken and progress achieved in climate mitigation, adaptation, as well as support needed and received. The primary motivation behind the whole concept around this training program was to address the current gap in existing mode of technical capacity development. And in particular, what we are aiming to achieve through this training program is to have a long-running dedicated program that provides a professional, semi-professional training. To that end, you will see that we are now working with academia institutions in addition to uh, government partners. And then we also want to address the need for knowledge that reflects latest outcomes from the negotiation as well as scientific community. And then finally, our hope is that through this training program, we will be able to create a vibrant community of climate change practitioners with insight and competence to implement the climate change actions nationally, but also to promote exchange of lessons learned and experiences amongst our peers. This Adaptation Academy brings five institutions together. Uh, we have partners from government representative as well as non-governmental organization and academic institutions, including the Alliance for Global Water Adaptation, Asian Institute of Technology, IHE Delft Institute of Water, Korean Environment Institute, Korean Adaptation uh, Center for Climate Change, and finally, Oregon State University. 
this goes on to show that if there is a will, actors from different backgrounds can come together and deliver on a common cause which is much needed on the ground. This training program or adaptation academy will to extent possible aim to address the main challenges that uh, we see being experienced by developing countries. And these challenges relate to mostly relate around uh, methodologies and tools, data and information, and also institutional setup and arrangement uh, nationally, both for implementation as well as reporting. Our hope is that this training program will be able to enhance technical capacity of, of experts for planning, policy framework, coordination across ministries and sectors, working with private sector, looking at financing options, and also it will look at sector-specific issues such as you know water, agriculture, disaster risk reduction, energy cities, so on and so forth. Then the other piece of this training program is also about how do you bring this information into the convention or Paris Agreement process. Because I think it is also important that the intergovernmental process has credible quality information so that it feeds into the negotiation process and thereby allow parties to make informed evidence-based uh, decision. So, Originally, our plan was to roll this out training program as uh, uh, in person. However, as we know, in the last two years, because of unfortunate incidents beyond our control, that was not feasible. But we did not want that to stop us from rolling out this training program. So as an interim measure, we had rolled out the first phase of training program as a virtual training. So in this year's training program, 95 participants participated and we in the Secretariat were extremely um, happy and proud that we managed to achieve this. In addition to hearing from Mr. Jigme, we reached out to four participants from the Adaptation Academy courses that ran this September and October. Each of them was kind enough to share their own reflections on the ways in which the training supports their climate adaptation work in their home country. We'll kick it off with some self-introductions and a little about each guest's involvement in national climate planning. I'm Francisco de Pumas. Uh, you can call me by France. I am a development a management officer, and I work for the Climate Change Commission in the Philippines, which is uh, tasked to coordinate the climate policies of the government. So we are equivalent to a department who can lobby for legislation both for national and subnational adaptation, mitigation, and especially finance policies. So we are tasked to monitor and craft um, reports, both for domestic and international commitments and uh, requirements. And then, of course, we craft the national communications, the Philippine delegation positions. Uh, my name is Catherine Martinez. It's a pleasure for me to be here on behalf of the Department of Adaptation and Resilience of the Ministry of Environment of Panama. I'm in charge of following the implementation of the NDC for adaptation, specifically for the sectors of resilient human settlements and sustainable infrastructure. My name is Ashley Codner. I'm the Sustainable Development Specialist. I am a part of the Sustainable Development and Regional Planning Division at the Planning Institute of Jamaica. And I am the climate change focal point for the division. 
the PIOJ is the foremost planning agency of the Jamaican government. And we seek to initiate and coordinate the development of policies, plans, and programs for the sustainable development of Jamaica. And of course, climate change plays a big role in that because it, it affects all of those things. Each of these participants comes in with a distinct set of responsibilities around adaptation in their home countries. I dug in a little deeper to hear more about their experience working on national climate policy, and here's what they had to say. And for a bit of clarification, when we hear from Ashley here, the Planning Institute of Jamaica that she works for collaborates with various ministries and agencies across the Jamaican government to execute the adaptation plans that she'll mention. For example, the NDC implementation plan she'll bring up was actually launched by the Ministry of Housing, Urban Renewal, Environment, and Climate Change, which the PIOJ works closely with. We've been very busy. We're a part of processes such as, you know, the the crafting of Jamaica's first adaptation communication. So we're currently in the process of doing that. And the National Adaptation Plan. And to accompany the updated NDC, we've also recently launched the NDC Implementation Plan. So we have this nationally determined contribution document it's good to have it done on paper, what you would like, these ambitious mm-hmm. goals, but it's very important to have that roadmap. As yeah. you said, you know, how do we create projects from this? How do we curate programs for this so that you actually reap the benefit of this plan that, you know, a lot of a lot of time and effort went into? I also deal with tracking the action plans of the local government. So we are capacitating our partners at the local level for them to come up with, with action plans specifically for CCDRR. And yeah, of course, there, uh, I also interface with the, um, with the team who handles the broader uh, ME system of the Philippines. And real quickly, France just mentioned a couple acronyms worth clarifying. CCDRR is Climate Change Disaster Risk Reduction, and ME refers to monitoring and evaluation, a key part of tracking progress of any adaptation program, as well as an official aspect of UNFCCC reporting. I participate in the updating of the nationally determined contributions, and as I said before, and I'm participating in the implementation process of the nationally determined contributions and adaptations for the resilient human settlements and sustainable infrastructure sectors. Uh, We are currently reviewing the progress of the NDCs after a year that we have sent to the convention. I also work as part of the team that build the ME system for adaptation in Panama. In addition to having France, Catherine, and Ashley, Mr. Missy Missy Philippe also joined me over Zoom for a recent interview. Missy Missy is a research engineer for the Ministry of Environment in Cameroon. My work is in working with the National Development Program and also propose solutions in the program of climate resilience of population and also to propose a budget and to make a follow-up of climate actions. Adaptation professionals globally, and especially from developing countries, could benefit from greater access to capacity building and support. Now, when I asked each of our guests about some of the challenges they face regularly in their work, the rationale behind the Adaptation Academy became even more clear. 
we have all hands on deck. Um, you know, we're working with with consultants, working with the different government ministries and departments and agencies to try and execute these plans as best as we can. As a small island developing state, you know, that there are capacity issues and we're we're in the process of, you know, working through that. How do we build capacity um, to meet all the different reporting requirements and to actually execute the plans? We have a challenge of lack of skilled staff in um, fundraising and uh, project management, uh, project design and um, exposure and vulnerability assessment. As policy coordinators, every now and then we have to package climate change materials, our messaging in the most creative but most straightforward manner so we can just get the message across. Based on my experience, communicating climate change is really a challenging task, especially to our partners at the subnational level. So it is really difficult to communicate what's the difference between the adaptation and the existing uh, socioeconomic development challenges that we have. I also asked about some of their motivations for signing up to take part in the first year of the Adaptation Academy courses, whether it was for professional development, for networking, for assistance on a particular topic or sector. And while they all may have given slightly different reasons for enrolling, it was very clear that these are people who, at the end of the day, really just want to help their countries thrive, even in the face of climate change. I got interested in the academy to further elaborate on climate change issues and how to develop adaptation actions and to receive clarification on some aspects of climate change adaptation. In the Climate Change Directorate in Panama, we always try to be reviewing developments on climate change, and we always try to strengthen the team's knowledge for the fulfillment of the UNFCCC mandates. The main reason that I decide to enroll in Adaptation Academy is to help a lot of our populations who are too vulnerable, especially in sectors like water access, foods, and also housing. Since I work with the UNIF tasked to develop reports on climate action, I just wanted to have a well-rounded knowledge about what we should be reporting, especially for um, adaptation. So it's essentially we just wanted, I just wanted to enrich what I already know about um, adaptation and then reconcile this with domestic and international reporting requirements. I just really wanted to hear how the resource persons see the topics from their perspective. While the guidelines, literature, or manuals exist, I am more interested in how the experts handle the topics because I can learn how to better communicate climate change, so especially in the importance of reporting. Jigme mentioned earlier that the first year's courses were much more condensed than originally planned or even planned for subsequent years due to COVID-related challenges. With such a fast-paced and virtual course, I was curious what some of the major takeaways were for each of the guests. Each of them walked away with different lessons learned. The course highlighted that holistic planning and management is very necessary for climate change adaptation. Another aspect that I think was quite helpful and practical was the opportunity to become more familiar with the reporting requirements of the UNFCCC. Yes, there are a lot of online resources, 
but I find when you know you have a practical session that really helps people to create a visual so to speak of how to move forward so I thought that, that was very good and I'm looking forward to an expansion of that. Some of the main lessons that I have learned in the Adaptation Academy is that although adaptation does not have quantitative metrics to measure progress, as in the case of climate change mitigation, it is important to rely on scientific basis to continue making efforts that lead to good adaptation to climate change through universal indicators. Climate change requires the participation of all it requires more research, and it is important to have a community for the exchange of experiences and adaptation. The principles of transparency and accountability really resounded to me. So especially as, a, as an employee under the government, it is our responsibility to report to our constituents who should, of course, gain from what we are doing on adaptation and mitigation. What hasn't come up yet is the fact that the Adaptation Academy was actually made up of three separate courses, each with some shared curriculum but including a regional focus. The rationale being that there is a good amount of value in forming connections across the region, and that many countries within a region may face the same climate challenges, or governance challenges, or financing challenges, or data, etc. You take your pick. I spoke to the participants about the usefulness of this regional approach to capacity building. It is natural to link with others to exchange some experiences of uh, works in our countries and how to help people or localities or other stakeholders to adapt. It allowed us to learn about progress at the regional level, in addition to the fact that many countries in the region are experiences similar situations at the political, social, and economic levels. This is why it's good to know how they have been able to overcome certain barriers or challenges that may exist. So has not to start from the scratch, but to continue developing knowledge for the region. In the LAC, we're similar, we face similar challenges and everyone is at a different stage at addressing climate change. So from the interactions, you know, a lot of lessons learned have come through and I can see opportunities where I'd be able to use those case studies or maybe even refer back to that country to see, to see what else is happening there and draw on their experience to see how best I can incorporate that into the Jamaican context. The Adaptation Academy is intent on leading to actionable impacts when it comes to shaping how countries plan, implement, and report on climate activities. A couple of our guests shared more on how the program will likely impact their work. It will be also important to help us to work to integrate climate change adaptation in the development plan and also to help them to capture climate finance to implement adaptation projects. Now I should jump in here before France's comments to help with some acronyms. BRs and BURs are the biennial reports and biennial update reports submitted by countries or parties to the UNFCCC to share information regarding progress on implementation and achievement of nationally determined contributions. So the Philippines is 
actually making strides in crafting their first BR and BUR. So while we have a, an in-house expert on the ETF, I really appreciated the discussion on adaptation in the ETF, since what we are working on as of now is mostly the mitigation content of the national communications. So it's good to have uh, advanced information on the adaptation part. So that is something that I can relate to my team in moving forward with the BUR and NC. But what I love the most in the five-day course was actually the climate risk assessment because I, I love where they disaggregated the elements of risk and actually used them in their M&E process. So I find Korea's M&E process eye-opening because it just shows that there is a range of methodologies and practices a country can employ in tracking adaptation progress. Also, uh, yeah, while we are currently developing the broader M&E systems for the Philippines climate finance adaptation and mitigation. Um, this would be useful in designing the institutional arrangements, the methodologies and practices, the actual theories and uh, practice for M&E. I think that is something that I will look back and relate to the team. At the top of the episode, we heard from Mr. Jigme of the UNFCCC Secretariat. Here he is again to put a bow on things with some of the upcoming Adaptation Academy plans. Our hope is that we will be able to reconvene this training program uh, in coming years, starting from next year as in-person. And the plan is that we will open the application process for next year's training program sometime in the first half of the year. Thank you very much. confess, as a little bit of an outsider on the topic, often when I think of climate policy, and especially international climate policy, I can quickly get overwhelmed at the scale of not only the challenges, but also the processes involved. And yet a lot of it ultimately comes down to individuals, or small groups of individuals, tasked with planning and evaluating climate adaptation activities across sectors and ministries, public and private entities, and governance levels. It may not be an overstatement to say that if they fail at this task, the Paris Agreement also fails. Therein lies the need for capacity-building programs like the Adaptation Academy. And even though we're only talking about training for 100 or so people a year, the impact of it will have a ripple effect across individual countries and hopefully globally. If you're interested in finding out more about the program or even for applying next year, you'll find the Adaptation Academy's website in the episode description. I'd like to once again thank all of today's guests, Jigme Jigme, representing the UNFCCC Secretariat, Ashley Codner from the Planning Institute of Jamaica, Franz Takumas of the Philippines Climate Change Commission, Catherine Martinez of Panama's Ministry of Environment, and Missy Missy Philippe of the Ministry of Environment of Cameroon. That will do it for this episode of Climate Ready. Be sure to join us next time for the last part in our special COP26-focused miniseries, where we try to unpack and digest the major takeaways from the Climate Summit. Lots to get into in that one. Until next time. The Climate Ready Podcast is produced by John Matthews of the Alliance for Global Water Adaptation. It is directed and edited by Alex Maroner and Ingrid Timbo.